This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 23rd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, residents propose second housing ballot initiative. G is for government previews Telluride Town Council. Mountain Village discusses changes to public health orders and a mountain weather forecast. But first... San Miguel County recently lost three members of its community. On Saturday, Robert Dempsey was found dead in his home in Telluride. He was 86 years old. The cause and manner of death is under investigation. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Dempsey served as county coroner for nearly 30 years. He is survived by his children, Ben and Jenny, his three grandchildren, and his wife, Suzanne. Crippen Funeral Home will handle arrangements. On Sunday, West End resident Dave Griffith passed away after a battle with liver and gastrointestinal cancer. According to the coroner's office, he passed quietly, surrounded by family. He was 83 years old. Crippen Funeral Home will handle services. Griffith is survived by his children, Brian, Ray, and Brandy, his six grandchildren, and his three great-grandchildren. Monday morning, Richard Beresford passed away in his Ofer home under the care of his wife, Susan, and their caregivers. Beresford was supported by Touch of Care Hospice. He passed away after a six-year battle with Parkinson's disease. Beresford was 90 years old. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. A group of local residents is proposing another initiative looking at housing for voters to decide on this November. Under the proposed measure, there would be an immediate two-year pause on new short-term rental licenses and create a workforce affordable housing fund. Keith Hampton is a board member of the new group Community Alliance for Effective Housing Solutions, which spearheaded the measure and an owner of Silver Star Property Management. He says the fund will do two things. First, it will provide rental assistance to individuals employed in Telluride. Where uh, we do have a home that's being put in the long-term rental pool, but maybe the rate that the owner feels they need to charge is higher than what's you know, likely or reasonable for a worker to be able to pay. And how do we bridge that gap? And that's what this would do. Second, it would help fund development for affordable housing in Telluride. The proposed ordinance would raise money for the fund by imposing a 100% increase on short-term rental license fees and allocating $2 million to the fund from Telluride's real estate transfer tax. The proposal comes as a separate citizens initiative is also making its way to the ballot this fall. That initiative would cap the number of short-term rental licenses in the town of Telluride to 400 per year with exemptions for residents who short-term rent their primary residence or commercial developments that prohibit owner-occupancy of a unit. Hampton notes the new proposal isn't in direct opposition to the cap on short-term rentals. However, it does not create an actual limit on short-term rentals. Rather, he says it offers a different option. I think having an alternative issue that also goes onto the ballot would really then allow a chance for a great debate and a chance to really look at the facts and the data behind what we're doing and really understand the impacts of these approaches and and what's the plan you know i i do feel like there's a certain amount of momentum that's that's out there to find good solutions and so i think now is a good time to really get this this sort of 
thinking in front of voters and, and, and let them really make, make their decisions. The proposal is not a citizen's initiative, as the other ballot measure is. So supporters of the measure are not tied to getting petition signatures or abiding by the required protest period. Telluride Town Council will have the option to send the proposal to the ballot, reject it, or amend the proposal as it sees fit. Hampton notes timing is the reason they aren't going through the citizen initiative avenue. There isn't enough time to move through the process before the ballot needs to be certified. With that said, he believes there is support from the community. From my view, we've done a tremendous amount of work over the last couple of weeks, uh, last three weeks, to really uh, research kind of the alternative ballot measures, talk with people in the community, um, and get out there and get support. You know, we had, uh, I don't even know how many emails and letters that were sent to council last week through the packet. Uh, in support of an alternative approach. Uh, but I, I would guess we probably have enough letters that, that we would have also been able to submit a petition if timing had allowed. Town Council will discuss the proposed ballot initiative at its meeting on Tuesday. If both measures are sent to the ballot and if both measures pass, it is unclear if both could be implemented. Telluride's town council will be convening for its regularly scheduled meeting on Tuesday, and it's said to be a doozy. Proposed ballot measures for the November election, housing, and climate action plans are all on the schedule. In this installment of G is for Government, council member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for joining me for another installment of G is for Government. Wouldn't miss it. Telluride will have its town council meeting on Tuesday, and it is going to be long and jam-packed with a bunch of topics that I know many people will be interested in. Um, but we are starting the day with two uh, work sessions. Can you explain what those ones are going to be talking about a little bit? Yeah, so our first um, work session is going to be about the draft climate action plan. Um, the town of Telluride in 2014 adopted a, an action plan for us to take steps over a long period of time to try and reduce our carbon emissions and work towards being a carbon-neutral community. Um, so that'll be about an hour of discussing uh, that plan and hearing from some other stakeholders and um, some scientists. And then after that, um, our planning director, Ron Quarles, is going to take us through back to a topic we discussed a few years ago, um, which is affordable housing mitigation percentages. So in a nutshell, um, in the town of Telluride, when you build new construction, you are required to pay a fee or build affordable housing to offset the amount of employees that your project generated. And there's um, sort of a, a lengthy scientific equation on how we calculate uh, for our community how many square, how much square footage translates towards employees, meaning, you know, construction workers and people who work on the yard and uh, maintain a home as well as having more um, of a bed base and therefore how many restaurants and other, you know, businesses in town are created by this construction. So uh, we will be talking about right now, we only require um, new construction to pay for 60% 
of the um, employees that their construction generates, uh, according to this equation. And planning and zoning has recommended to us to up that um, mitigation percentage um, and we will be discussing that topic. And then y'all will break for lunch. There's going to be a number of kind of more admin-y things right after lunch, uh, including an introduction of the new Freebox crew leader that folks might be interested in. But then a lot of the meat of the meeting that I think our listeners will uh, be interested in is going to be taking place in the afternoon. And it's a number of items related to housing. What is that afternoon, evening even, going to look like for town council on Tuesday? Here we go. We are. We will be considering an, uh, an emergency ordinance uh, that would impose a temporary suspension and prohibition on issuing new short-term rental licenses, but it's basically just a pause on new licenses while we figure out what's going to happen. And we will be voting on that at 120 um, because it's an emergency uh, ordinance, it would only require one incident of voting to occur, but it would require an extraordinary majority. So five of the seven council members would have to vote for it um, since it's an emergency ordinance. Then we have a lodging tax ballot question that the town council has constructed with the town attorney, basically asking the voters whether we would like to, as a community, opt out of the county lodging tax which now by law must 100% go to marketing and tourism activities and replace it with a town lodger's tax that could be used to spend on marketing and tourism as well as other town needs, including infrastructure, affordable housing, et cetera. Um, we'll be discussing the you know, final terminology and the way that that's um, phrased and then whether or not we put it to the ballot. We'll take a recess, um, and we will be back at 5 o'clock for what, for some, may be the main event. Um, we have a citizens-initiated ordinance that uh, would potentially, cap, if it passes, would cap the amount of short-term rental licenses in the town at 400 with some exemptions. So we will be either putting this to the ballot or adopting it ourselves. And then after that, we will be having a work session on a proposed workforce affordable housing ordinance. That ordinance is being asked of town council to put that on the ballot as well, um, which provides some, some alternative uh, solutions to the, the previously mentioned citizens initiative. So um, that is a long day and there's a lot going on. There's definitely a lot going on. It's going to be a full day starting at 10 a.m., running until sometime after 5. Geneva, I really appreciate you taking a couple minutes, walking us through all of it, and we will see you on Zoom and on the airwaves on Tuesday. All day long, baby. The town of Mountain Village is playing the waiting game when it comes to tighter restrictions regarding COVID-19. 
San Miguel County recently enacted a mask requirement for all county buildings and plans to discuss a countywide indoor mask mandate this week. So my advice is for us to stay the course for now. Um, anybody that wants to wear a mask is absolutely um, allowed to wear one, whether you're vaccinated or not. But I think making a t- transition without a public health order to stand behind us, um, it just gets so challenging every time we make these changes. That's Mountain Village Town Manager Kim Montgomery speaking at Mountain Village Town Council last week. Council supported Montgomery's recommendation to hold off on implementing new mask requirements. However, Town Council member Dan Caton notes the town should be prepared to take quick action if a countywide mandate is put in place. Council member Pete Dupre agrees. I was in Chicago last weekend in hotel I stayed in. Everybody had a mask on. When you went into a restaurant, everybody had a mask on. So, I mean, yeah. I think they're coming. I think the same thing is happening in California. So we're going back to where we were you know, nine months ago. KN95 masks are available in San Miguel County at the Visitor Center in Heritage Plaza and Village Court Apartments Office in Mountain Village, the Visitor Center in Telluride, and at San Miguel County Public Health in the Miramonte Building in Telluride. San Miguel County Public Health strongly recommends all individuals wear masks indoors, regardless of vaccination status. The recommendation comes as there is a spike of COVID cases in the county. We're technically out of the dog days of summer, but that's not stopping the Wilkinson Public Library from celebrating them in style. In honor of International Dog Day, the library is hosting the perfect event to spoil your pup. The library will be set up with the makings of homemade dog treats and toys. The marshal's office will be in attendance to help get dogs registered. Of course, it's simply the perfect opportunity for dogs to meet dogs, pups to play with pups, and owners to learn each other's names. Second Chance Humane Society will also be available to provide you with a new perfect pupper friend to take home. The International Dog Day celebration will take place on Thursday, August 26th at 5.30 p.m. in Elks Park. Colorado is not bouncing back especially strong when it comes to unemployment rates. That's according to WalletHub, a personal finance website. The group compared the 50 states and Washington, D.C. to see how each shakes out, looking at unemployment statistics from July 2021 and key dates in 2020 and 2019. Based on the study, Colorado came in 47th. Looking at change in unemployment between July 2021 and July 2020, Wallet Hub says Colorado fared the worst. Colorado's unemployment rate dropped by just over 14 percent, where all other states saw unemployment drop between 20 and 65 percent. Colorado also came in second to last, comparing change in unemployment between July 2021 and 2019, with an increase of unemployment by over 140 percent. Nebraska came in first in rebounding the best. Colorado beat out New York, California, Nevada, and Hawaii for bottom of the barrel. 
a baby moose in northern Colorado has been reunited with its mother after being trapped in the basement of a house burned last year by the East Troublesome Fire. Colorado Parks and Wildlife found the calf after receiving a call from residents in Grand Lake stating the moose had fallen into a four-foot-deep foundation. According to CPW, neighbors tried to rescue the calf by creating a ramp for it to climb out, but were unsuccessful. CBW officers tranquilized the calf and its mother and transported them to a more suitable habitat outside of Craig. The powerhouse outdoor retailer Patagonia is pulling its products from the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. The move comes after one of the owners of the resort, Jay Kemmerer, co-hosted a fundraiser for the far-right House Freedom Fund earlier this month. To learn more, KHOL Jackson's Kyle Mackey spoke with Wyofile reporter Angus Thurmer, who broke the story about Patagonia's decision. Angus Thurmer, thank you so much for joining us today on KHOL. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you for your interest in Wyofile. Absolutely. Well, we all read your article with great interest this week. Can you tell me about your reporting and what you learned about Patagonia and JHMR? Uh, certainly. Uh, Patagonia, after one of the owners of the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort uh, hosted a, a fundraiser for the uh, House Freedom Fund, which is a very conservative uh, it funds a very conservative uh, group of House lawmakers in D.C. After Patagonia found out about that, through local reporting in the local paper, the company Patagonia decided it would no longer sell its products to Jackson Hole Mountain Resort because uh, Patagonia is an activist company and it likes to put its money where its mouth is and it d does not agree with um, all, many, most of the principles of the House Freedom Caucus. So you mentioned Patagonia being an, an activist company and donates a, a proportion of its profits, I believe, to environmental conservation and, and issues like that. But uh, how significant of a move is this for the company? It's a significant move because Jackson Hole Mountain Resort is its largest single customer in Teton County. And so Patagonia took this action with uh, a bit of thought and deliberation. And because it's the largest uh, customer in Teton County, Patagonia looks at this move as being a significant statement. You spoke to a representative from Patagonia. What, yes. did, what did she tell you? She told me uh, some of those things, and she also acknowledged a, a long and strong relationship with the workers and the management team at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, if uh, not with uh, one of the owners, Jay Kemmerer. And she said it's, a, it's fair to say that Jackson Hole is an important community for us. Um, <clears throat> they have ambassadors who live here, sports ambassadors, and... Um, they have former employees who work for the mountain resort. And, of course, Patagonia is known for clothing, active, outdoor athletes. And Jackson Hole Mountain Resort is known for a place where those athletes can uh, come and uh, uh, ski and climb and go into the backcountry and um, do all that sort of stuff. 
What does this mean for the resort from your reporting and what has the reaction been? Well, the management is a little bit miffed because it has quite an extensive program of recycling, things like that. It buys its uh, power for lifts and uh, some other stuff from wind generation. And it really has tried to uh, put forward a profile that is uh, sensitive to the environment, according to some of the directors who wrote an opinion piece in, again, the local Jackson Hole News and Guide newspaper. So the management says, hey, we didn't do anything wrong, but the one owner is being held to account for his support for that particular uh, group of politicians and the views that they espouse. You may not want to speculate on this as a reporter, but do you anticipate seeing any other companies following suit, any other you know, further kind of retaliation against the resort um, for the actions of one of the co-owners and hosting that fundraiser for the House Freedom Caucus? I'm not sure anybody else can could make as big of a statement as Patagonia. Uh, you put the name Patagonia and you put the name Jackson Hole Ski Area up there side by side, and that's going to draw a lot of attention. It's hard to really imagine another company that could have that impact but I have not heard of other uh, businesses uh, following suit. There is some talk among skiers and individuals, well, I'm not going to ski there this year. Um, we'll see if that happens when, it, when the snow falls and it's a big powder day. Uh, but no, I haven't heard of many other companies following suit. Well, Angus Thurmer, thank you so much for your reporting on this and for joining us today at KHOL. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with mostly clear skies and a low around 50 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Tuesday should be sunny with a high near 70 degrees during the day and mostly clear skies with a low around 50 at night. Wednesday expect sunny skies with a chance of showers and a high in the mid-70s. Wednesday night should be mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms and a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, August 23rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206.